And welcome, my friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you, and uh, so excited about the Discipleship Conference coming up in April of this year. And friends, you're going to want to pencil this into your... In fact, just go ahead and pull a pen out and uh, pen this into your calendar right now. Uh, we're going to be there. Uh, I'm going to be part of the conference, uh, the pre-conference portion, and uh, we're also bringing some of our resources because we're all about this. If there's anything that Generations has been about uh, with our Shepherds Conferences, our Discipleship Conferences, this this is it. And uh, this conference is sponsored by the churchandfamilylife.com organization. Uh, two conferences this year, a shepherding conference specifically for pastors, uh, some preaching instruction from Stephen Lawson, a uh, great man of God uh, who can uh, share some on that. And then uh, Alexander Strauch and myself are going to be working on just shepherding in general. And uh, boy, this is going to be a great conference to equip pastors and parents, by the way, because the Discipleship Conference comes up uh, on the 25th to the 27th. That's a Thursday through Saturday. And it's all about making disciples in the home and in the church and around the world. So it's really ultimately the commission that Jesus gave to us. So this is it. This is this is why we're here, folks. We're here to disciple the nations. And it begins with discipling those that God has brought uh, to our doorstep and those who God has brought to our own kitchens and living rooms. So that's it. Uh, so today we want to talk a little bit about discipleship and shepherding. Really, really key, key uh, elements. And what is the function of parents and pastors? What are we doing? What are we doing in family, in church? What does God want us to do? Well, when it comes to the church, the pastor who preaches leaves at the final benediction, never sees anybody until the next week. There's the pastor who downloads the sem- seminary notes and functions more as a seminary teacher. Uh, the pastor entertains, gives the pep talk, goes home to work on his next pep talk. There's a pastor who holds himself away in the study and just reads all day long. So, But what we want to talk about is the pastor who shepherds. Uh, the, the parents who shepherd. What is it to shepherd? What is it to disciple? This is what we're to do. We're to do what Jesus did. We like to talk about the pastor in the pinstripe suit, the pastor in the tennis shoes with the latte in his left hand, iPhone notes in his right, the pastor with a pointy hat who makes up a hierarchy of some large Episcopalian thing, and then the pastor in the muddy boots out back working on the sheep. So, you know, which is it? The guy with the pointy hat, the pinstripe suit, or the guy with the tennis shoes, or the guy in the muddy boots out back working with the sheep? So which is it? What are we doing here? And uh, obviously, Jesus has called us to this, uh, to to shepherd. Uh, but what is it? What is it? to disciple what is it to shepherd this is the crying need of the day as i see it we couldn't be talking about anything more important for the family and for the church as restoring the shepherding of jesus back into the home and back into the church this is the crying need of the day to disciple to disciple and to disciple on in family and church okay so i i did my little spiel scott scott brown is here alexander strauch with me uh we're all coming together for these conferences coming up in april uh, 25th to the 27th friends and so mark Mark it on your calendar. And by the way, it's churchandfamilylife.com for more info on that conference. But uh, Scott Brown, Alexander Strauch with me right now. Alexander Strauch, author of Biblical Eldership, Leading with Love. And by the way, a brand new edition, hardback edition of Biblical Eldership is now hot off the press, available. I haven't seen it yet. And uh, Alex, you, you dropped off a box at our church, and I haven't seen it yet. So I got to get a copy of, of the most recent. And then Scott Brown, of course, is the director of the churchandfamilylife.com. So... Uh, welcome, brothers. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much, Kevin. What a joy. Yes. Alex. Always good to be with you, Kevin. Yes. You're so animated. People can't see what I see. You're 
Those arms, I'll tell you. <laughs> I didn't. Bed. You know what? I didn't realize Kevin was even animated in its radio show. Yes, I, I am. I, yeah, you only get about twenty percent of Kevin through the radio. You don't our get the other. Cameramen have a hard time following him on the platform, but they'd have a hard time following him in his office. Uh, well, you know that's 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 <laughs> the one. I the first only. Met Kevin. That's the thing. I first know um, uh, the. I called him the man with the dancing arms. He may not. <laughs> I just I just like to draw out the kind of thing I'm trying to express <laughs> for myself sure. and for everybody else. Be yourself, Kevin. Be yourself. Okay. Well, yes. Some of the worst advice you can give some of us, right? Be yourself. All right. Uh, Alexander Strat. Well, let's start with the root of it. And I just want to go straight to this. The, the biggest issue of all is you got to love the sheep with all their faults and foibles. What does that look like, Alexander Strat? You wrote the book on love. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Hang on a second. God wrote the book on love. <laughs> and Paul wrote one chapter on it. But uh, yeah, what is it? What is it to love the sheep? Well, wait, no. His book is Leading with Love. That's right. Leading um, with Love. And he also wrote one called Bite and Devour. Uh-huh. That's right. These these should be standard for everyone. Oh, man. Oh, man. favorite one is Love or Die, Revelation Love 2. Love or Die. That's right. That Love or Die. Mm -hmm. Every yeah, author yeah. has a favorite book. That's my favorite one. Okay. So wow. anyway, Kevin, yeah. let me answer yeah. you a question. Uh, I start with imitation of Christ. So 1 Corinthians 11, 1, the imitators of me as I am of Christ. And uh, so when we go to the Gospel of John, we see so clearly the Lord Jesus' love for his sheep. He gives his life for the sheep. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, walk in love, in other words, conduct your life in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then you jump down to verse 25, and it says something very similar. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Oh, what a beautiful statement. Mm -hmm, Christ mm -hmm. loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her. So I start with the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved us. He gave himself for us. That's our model. And then we go over to the Apostle Paul. Most people think John did most of the writing on love. No, Paul outdoes him on love. Mm. And as you just mentioned, 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest is love. But if you go to 2 Corinthians, it's amazing the emotional yeah. statement Paul makes. We're with you to live together and die together. If we love you more, we love less. Uh, don't the parents save up for the children? I mean, these are such beautiful mm -hmm. statements. Then in Philippians 1, he says something like, uh, that he longs for them with the affection of Christ Jesus. So here's what I'm saying. My model is Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul. It should be nothing less than that. So if I don't love the sheep and give my life for them, something's seriously wrong with me. Talk about the guy who's hard to love, though. There's always that person who's sitting there in the audience's arms crossed and he's just glaring at you through the entire sermon you know what i'm talking about and there may be a teenage kid that's just off the rails how do you love these people i mean talk to me well again uh, paul says with the affection of christ jesus you ask the lord for his heart for mm. these people okay and those are the ones that really attest our love i mean what does it take to love someone who's just telling you all the time oh you're so wonderful i love your sermons you know what they call that the worship of the worm but anyway uh, those people don't take any um love 
it's it's the person and the Lord said that we're to love our enemies and those who uh, curse us we're to bless them mm -hmm. so no that has to be the special focus and we ask the Lord for strength mm -hmm. you don't have to like them and go oh, I just like to hug you and all no they're very difficult to love some people uh, especially the ones that are hypercritical of you mm -hmm. uh, but you must in action show um, proper respect and blessing and Here's a really great thing, and I learned this from a man named Paul B. Sapp. Put your arm around and say, brother, let's just pray together. We'll yeah. see each other differently. So that's one way to do it. There's many ways. I like going to lunch with men. Just let them talk. Half the time, if you let them talk and uh, they tell you all their complaints, they feel better already. And then you just respond to that in a proper way. So I do a lot of lunches mm -hmm. with people, mm -hmm. um, take people out, mm -hmm. uh, so and, uh, something about over a meal, they just yeah. calm down. So define it for a moment. What is it to love your kids, you, you, the people you're discipling? Uh, what is it? What, 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 what is it that Jesus did for? He looked at me. He loved me. He gave his life for me. What does that mean? You know, Kevin, I want to just take us back yeah. to... Uh, what Jesus Christ is fulfilling. He's actually, with the disciples, he's fulfilling Deuteronomy 6. He's, he's teaching, he's diligently teaching his disciples when he sits in the house, when he walks by the way, when he lies down, when he rises up. Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of Deuteronomy 6. And he, there, there are some Puritans that actually believed that the discipleship methodology of Jesus was the the premier discipleship methodology for parents not just pastors yeah. yes yes but for parents as well and that's I what agree. parents do mm -hmm. they 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 walk on roads they go through problems together they teach the the whole counsel of god just like jesus did to his disciples and he answered their questions he was patient with them even though he said to one of them get behind me satan he still stuck with the guy mhm mhm to love is to want the best for another person and and be willing to sacrifice to accomplish that is that is that a good definition yeah, and walking be walking beside i'll add to that definition which okay. is what we see in first corinthians 13. the first three verses are the indispensable nature of love the next four verses four to seven is a description positive and negative all active verbs of what it looks like love is long-suffering Love is kind. Love is not. You might wonder, why does he switch to eight negative statements? Because that was the problem in the Church of Corinth. He picks up on all their problems, showing them their behavior was not loving. It was loveless behavior. So I think we have the best description. So I like, Kevin, I like to give the illustration of the Beatles. They had this song, all you need is love. Love is all you need. Love is all you need. Love is all you need. 36 times but they never tell us what love is. They yeah. just says love is all you need. Paul tells us it suffers long with people. Mm -hmm. It is kind. Mm -hmm. It is not self-centered. It does not hold grudges. It bears all things, believes all things. So we have a beautiful positive and negative description of this active word love right there in our great passage on love. Nothing else like it in literature, by the way. Right, it's right. Amen. Amen. Can't get over it. I mean, you have to go back to it over and over and over again. 
Okay, so you've got this eight to nine year old child in your home, and you've only corrected him six thousand four hundred seventy eight <laughs> times on that particular issue. It could be, you know, somebody attending your church, and you're working with these folks through these issues. Wow, how long do you have to suffer? <laughs> you know, patience, right? To, to me, you know, this idea of patiently, diligently, lovingly, every day. Talk to that mom. Talk to that well, pastor who's got to just, you know, dig in to, to disciple somebody who's just not getting it. Well, I mean, that's what Paul says. Love suffers long. Love is patient. The, the spirit-filled life. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc. So, no, you don't say, uh, how long do I have to do this? That's in rare cases okay. with some people are very, very, um, uh, uh, maybe even evil. But with our children, it's decades of the same thing mm-hmm, repeated mm-hmm. over and over. Yep. I said to a mother recently who's really having a hard time with a child, I said, it's consistency. Keep saying the same thing. Might take another five to ten years. Mm-hmm. Now, I have just witnessed in the last year one of my grandsons, who's eighteen and a big burly guy, just a radical change. And the mother goes, my my daughter goes, what happened here? I said, honey, that's what you've been working towards that's all right. these years. That's right. It happened. Finally, something clicked. That's right. We don't know what. And he just has this uh, turnaround. He's the sweetest boy. His whole attitude has changed. And I said, honey, that's what we're waiting that's it. for. Mm-hmm. It that's happened. it. That's it. Be faithful. Be discipling, shepherding yeah. along the way. God brings forth the increase. He's doing something under the soil. It's okay. He brings forth the fruit when he's ready to bring forth the fruit. It's our job to just continue to that's love right. on that that's plant right. and, and uh, nurture that plant. Scott, you wanted to say something. Yeah. You know, Reformed people like to talk about the perseverance of the saints. But what about the perseverance of the Lord with the saints? Yeah, exactly. that's, that's where the that's where that's what that's the only way that the perseverance of the saints works. Oh man, oh man. Um, common problems for pastors. Common mistakes pastors make. Can anything strike you? Where where do we fall short? I have been watching something. In fact. Um, been dealing with this uh, very relevantly. A lack of discipline in a pastor's life, a lack of order, mm-hmm. a lack of taking control of the busyness of life, and uh, really being rather unfruitful. So we've been dealing with a situation which, of course, leads to uh, really laziness in a pastor's life. So Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It comes in nine delicious flavors. The last one is self-control. But also a requirement of an elder in the qualification list, which really is repeated three clear times, self-discipline, discipline. discipline, But it also pours over into use of wine, use of authority, use of money. Mm -hmm. You have to disciplined in all those areas mm-hmm. so it's a, a key dis, a, a requirement and it's something we can pray about it's something you need to get advice about for others if you're a rather confused person or you're disorderly you're not getting your work done and uh, watching too much television this is a huge problem let me tell you a time wasting on our phones 
we need to come to grips with a life of uh, discipline. Yeah, yeah. Here's a, you know you're you're reminding Go me ahead, of uh, a couple of chapters in Al Martin's pastoral theology. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a treasure, but he he talks about the pastor's uh, government of his body and particularly keeping his body in good condition. Yes. And he, but he says something in there that really struck me. He said, your body is the only instrument God has given you. So he's encouraging men to keep their bodies fit, to exercise, to, you know, to govern uh, what they put in their mouth. And, uh, but I, I, but he, of course, Al Martin was famous for this with the pastors that he trained. They were all pretty fit guys. And, um, you know, but he wanted his men to be able Mm -hmm. to, uh, to speak with clarity and authority and have their, their muscle structure not, you know, dilapidate over the years so that they could use their bodies for the glory of God. Here's a a challenge that I think all of us face as parents and pastors, and that's the reactive versus proactive. And I think it really does apply to shepherding. Think about the pastors always reacting to problems and uh, always the firefighter versus the pastor that's investing in just the day-to-day discipleship. And the same thing can happen in the, in the home. So, Scott, speak to that for just a moment. Uh, how do we get out of this reactive mode and just invest time in the things that matter? Well, a common denominator in my experience of men who are in a reactive mode is that they get discouraged. They sure do. They get, they get depressed. They're going up and down with the problems of the church. Uh, you know, the, the, the pastor is not a place for a guy who gets too discouraged with the problems in people's lives or the attacks or the slanders. It's, it's death to a pastor. He, a pastor falls into self-pity. He's going to leave the ministry. Mm-hmm. He's going to start yelling at his people. He's not going to feed the sheep. He's going to beat the sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he lacks, he's going to lack energy. But a lot of it really has to do with just recognizing God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. And he, oh, yeah. he, can't, he can't fix every problem. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't fix everybody's thinking. Um, but it, the biggest, one of the biggest dangers of a pastor outside of lust really is discouragement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Alex, can you capitalize on this just for a moment? Well, no, I think he's absolutely right. There's so much to be discouraged about. <laughs> right. So much failure. So much sin. Um, some of the things happening in the lives of our fellow believers is just... Uh, nightmarish almost with three young sisters in their early 40s who are gone through a divorce with husbands supposedly christian husbands who have been caught in adultery caught in super heavy pornography hiding money i mean and to listen to these three ladies talk about what they've been through and they're all going to go through a divorce now it's it, it's just you just say what is going on the the sin of this society's come right into yeah. the church mm-hmm. and um, just like in Corinth you know the old saying it wasn't a problem that the church was in Corinth the problem was too much of Corinth was in the church yeah. and that's what we are seeing yeah. today the secularization of God's people particularly our young people yes there's much to be discouraged about and that's why you have to come back to what brother just said. Um, we have to put these things, Lord, you're the only one with the power to do anything. We just right. give the advice and help. Yeah. But, um, and, and hey, here, here's one reason this is so important. You're going to have people in your church who are devastated by different things. 
but a pastor should not be devastated. There you go. He should Thank be you. like Jesus, full of hope, in the back full of, of the faith, boat. full of love. You that's know, right. You have to have somebody in the room that's not devastated. That's good. Thank you. And you you actually have a responsibility not to get overcome with the problems mm-hmm. because the people need you. It, it's kind of like when you're in an airplane, you know, and the stewardess says, you know, if we have a problem, you know, if you have children, put the mask on yourself, put your mask on first. Somebody's got to have the mask on. If you're hyperventilating, Somebody's... you're not helping anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which means that you know, as a well, pastor, day to day, you've got to come back to what we're to do. Obviously, trust God for the outcome, but we can't be so overcome with the firefighting or the discipline cases that we're not helping the sheep that need the day to day discipleship and shepherding work. Does that make sense? Kevin, I, I want to give a, something that's helped me immensely. And that is, in the work of the local assembly, I have several colleagues, fellow elders, that we'll get together regularly for lunch, and sharing these burdens is one of the greatest encouragements. Yes, yes. As the mm-hmm. others facing these things, and like, psh, it's like the steam comes out of your head when you <laughs> express to one of your brothers, you know, this these people are driving me crazy, and uh, they're calling all the time, their marriage is falling apart. Having a brother that you over lunch, you you mm-hmm. share these things, mm-hmm. you just feel uh, you're well, you're sharing the burden. That's what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And it really works. And we picked hey, up on that. Deal. We Shoot. picked up that eight Shoot. years ago. And uh, on a weekly basis, we're, we're connecting with Pastor Brendan from over in Harvest, uh, Pastor Ken over at Calvary. And uh, the a couple other pastors in this valley. I mean, they're just little tiny churches, Baptist and Bible churches in this area. But we get together as pastors. We pray for each other. It's been phenomenal. I mean, it's just share what's going on. And it's funny, you know, like, what? You've got the same issues we do. <laughs> and we go, okay. I guess we need hey, to pray church, about this. Hey, churches need happy pastors. Oh, yeah. They really do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a happy pastor is really fulfilling uh, the, the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, nine. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. Jesus Christ was the happiest of all the disciples. If you, he wasn't, he, he, he wasn't this somber figure who was, who was discouraged about everything going on around. Mm-hmm. He was, he was anointed with the oil of gladness. Jesus was the happiest man in the room. And we need to approach these things with a spirit of hope. I mean, love hopes all things. Alex, that to me is the capstone for the whole chapter is, you know, okay, things are going badly now, but Jesus is risen from the dead. The Holy Spirit is alive and well on planet Earth, and big things are going to happen in this body. He's doing a work. The Lord is going to present us to himself, spotless, perfect, without a wrinkle. That's how powerful the blood of Christ is that the oh whole church will be presented mm-hmm. perfect. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Well, I wish we could keep going, but we're clean out of time. But that's why you need to come to this conference in April. Uh, Alexander Strauch, Scott Brown, Steve Lawson, Kevin Swanson. Hey, this is going to be a great time. <laughs> you know, Forget everybody else coming. We're going to have great fellowship. But 
Everybody else, come on down and enjoy it with us. That's what we're telling everybody now. Uh, this is the familyandchurch.com conference, friends, coming to you April 24th to 25th and 25th to 27th. So two conferences, the Shepherding Conference for Pastors and the Discipleship Conference, Making Disciples in the Home and in the Church around the world. And this is especially good for the whole family, for uh, young families. Uh, Scott, you are trying to bring young families down to this conference. Uh, you just think this is what we need right now. Well, and that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, my friends. Alexander Strauch, author of Biblical Eldership, and Scott Brown is director for churchandfamilylife.com conference. And again, to register, friends, go to churchandfamilylife.com. A conference for the pastors and a conference for the whole family, young families included, coming up April 24th to the 27th of this year. And it's all happening in North Carolina, Asheville, at that beautiful conference center. And friends, check it out right now at churchandfamilylife.com. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.